Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Suns show. That's at the Loyal Suns on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. Follow us there and follow us here for Pit Sports takes you will not want to miss. If you love Week One coastal chaos and hate that the paddle wheel trophy is missing in action, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your pit athletics fix, brought to you by Section 5. Hello, everybody. We are here for your midweek preview of the Cincinnati game. I know what you're thinking. Loyal Suns, did you not release an episode on Sunday? We did, and now we're releasing one on Wednesday because it's football season and we can't get enough of Pitt. I am joined by Squid and Dylan. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. I, we watched Clemson take an L on Labor Day. I am pretty damn good. I'm a lot better than they are right now. Yeah, that was uh Wow. I would pay a lot of money to be a fly on the wall of Dabo and Garrett Rowley's first interaction after that game ended. I promise you Dabo was bringing out the holy water and performing an exorcism or something. Yeah, watching that game, it's... And I don't want to overreact because I feel like Clemson could still figure out a way to just go like 10-2 and two this year. But some at some point i don't know if it's because Dabo refused to go to the transfer portal or what they just don't have guys who make plays offensively anymore like remember when clemson used, had that receiving core of who was it was it like deandre hopkins uh mike williams mike williams then martavis bryan in there sammy martavis. watkins like every year they'd have like <laughs> at least three nfl guys this is hunter renfro erasure Hunter Renfro. I mean, Deion Kane couldn't crack an NFL roster, but he was a beast in college. It was nonstop. Yeah. And now I don't even know who the receivers are. A bunch of white guys playing receiver and running back. Bunch of honkies. Yes. Like what? All all due respect, but that, I don't know. They just did not look. Duke looked like the more physical, more athletic team yesterday. And, And I don't want to ignore the fact that like Clemson did outgain Duke. I mean, they had multiple red zone t- uh, fumbles, uh, blown opportunities in the red zone, but man, it looked like Duke was kind of laying the lumber on, on Clemson. Yes. But well, Monday, whenever two days before we recorded this, what surprised me, if you go back to our pit season preview, I said, I don't think Caleb or, Cade Klubnik is the truth. Just wanted to bring that up. But I kind of bought back <laughs> in because Eric McLean told us like that defense is like back to typical Clemson defense. I don't know. They they were missing a lot of tackles. Duke was they were scoring. I don't know what Clemson's gonna do this year. This might be a quote unquote down year for Clemson, maybe more than usual. To Clemson's defense's credit, I'm not going to say anything nice about that god-awful offense. Uh, I think when you get no help from your offense and they can't put up points, it gives the Riley Leonards of the world the opportunity to do cool shit. And Riley Leonard did a lot of cool shit. Yeah, They made him work for it, but he... Yeah, 
Yeah. It, it gets demoralizing, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I, I, you're watching your offense drive the field, put you in a position to win the game, and they they just keep messing up, making mistake after mistake. That was uh, that was something to watch. Really was. And it, it was one of those games where, like, it started out and it was just like bad. And it was like, God, they keep fumbling. Ew. No one could score points. Like, this is just bad football. And then it got to the point. It went the full way around where it was so bad that it was just fun because Clemson kept getting inside the five yard line and then putting the ball in like some nice wrapping paper, some of that tinsel foil, wrapping a bow on it and handing it over to Mike Elko. And, uh, and just like the the biggest series of unfortunate events I've seen in a primetime game in a really long time. And it was just fun. The students started storming the field with like three minutes left. Like they were just lining the edges of the lines ready to go. And the school was just like, yeah, go ahead. It was that game was everything college football is about. Is Duke a football school? People are starting to ask. It's really funny, like how much we were rooting for Duke. However, if this was like a Duke basketball game, we'd be on like bended knee praying for a higher power to rain down lightning upon Cameron Indoor Stadium. Yeah, that last game of the year just got a lot bigger for Pitt. Speaking of Pitt the team that we cover, uh, do we have any cleanup from the uh, whooping on Wofford? I heard you two had an off-air spat about the uh, the treatment <laughs> of playing conservative against an FCS team. Yeah, after about, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine hours of drinking and watching college football all day Sunday, we started rehashing the conservative play calling should pit of scored 80 debate i know some of you might have seen that on twitter it's like wait i thought you tweeted the other take like two hours ago we all run the twitter account so i we disagreed on that i will say though i feel like take. i feel like we could communicate but because when we tweet twice within an hour just like very opposite things it might be confusing but uh carlo put us in a body bag that's our guy, but he uh, he had had enough of what was coming out. Although, and I'm not, far be it for me to argue with Carlo on Twitter because he's really good at football knowledge and Twitter, so you don't want no smoke. But I I don't know. I, I still think you're, you're denying your team the ability to get into a groove by not giving your best players touches, not running your offense. And I... I get it, but like if it's such a good strategy, why don't more schools do it? Who would you have rather touch the ball more? I would have loved to see um, Rodney. I I'm not asking for much more. Like, give Rodney Hammond an even ten touches scored on forty percent of his carries. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, I would love to see him get the ball a little bit more. I would like to see a little bit more downfield passing and like slightly more tempo. That's it. I want to, I don't know. I I, I wanted to see all the things that I heard about the, the receiving core, get a couple more catches. 
the one like thing the guys that, that are going to be getting catches in games down the line, work on that chemistry, all that good stuff. But Pat Narduzzi did say that Wofford was playing like super conservative on defense and super deep because they didn't want to get beat deep. So Phil was just kind of taking what was there. And I'm okay with that. There's no need to force the issue and look sloppy against a team that's giving you underneath stuff. It shows Phil was going through his reads properly. So I felt better about the passing attack after hearing that. Yes, it is Wofford. Yes, Bub Means could have ran by them, and you probably could have gotten some splash plays, but I don't care because everyone's healthy, and I saw enough. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter, and you are exactly correct. We we won by a whole bunch of points. Uh, we very nearly covered, should have covered. Uh, hey, I got him 37 and a half. Dylan covered all that matters. Um, but at the end of the day, my whole point is it's just not very entertaining and it's not as entertaining. And there's that, a that's, good point. That's that's my whole point. On that's my Twitter. Whole point. There are some coaches out there who are one, just cocksuckers and like to just score 80 points on like the little Portland sisters State. of the blind. I swear Oregon kids. puts up 80 points on Portland state every single year. Yeah. I watched those highlights. They had like, five or six untouched like 50 yard touchdown runs. So I don't know what was going on there, but then there's also coaches that have uh, bonus clauses based on how many points per game they score. So they probably want to pad their stats, get a little bit of extra cushion. Pat Narduzzi, not one of those guys. He's like, I don't care. We're doing what I want to do. And that's that. I don't care about all these other exterior things. And you can ask, you can plead. It's not going to happen. Speaking if you have Kenny coaches, Pickett, you could score every play. Speaking of coaches who have clauses in their contracts, uh, depending on how many points they score, are we on Iowa watch yet for Kirk Ferentz to have to potentially fire his son? Because God, they, hope so. they're off pace right now. They have to average 25 points per game. They only scored 24 against Utah State. Yeah, that's the funniest thing ever. I'm going to let like every other... Uh, college football podcasts in the world like follow that closely and like that that's their bit but um god that is so funny and just fits right into everything that we say about the big 10 they better hope they get a lot of pick sixes well does it have the offensive points per game no is that a stipulation okay well good luck hope you fail it's not much of a secret that I have a home field apparel problem. Even before we started this show, I couldn't even step foot on a new college campus without making sure there was something from that school's home field collection waiting on my porch when I got home. So we are, understandably, over the moon to partner with home field this season to keep Pitt fans comfy, cozy, and stylish at a fraction of the price by using promo code LOYALSONS for 15% off your next order. This discount applies site-wide and with unique vintage collections for every school from Pitt to Bama, Jackson State to Colgate, Michigan, Marshall, Marquette, and both Miamis, there's something for every fan. So whether you're buying for a Pitt fan or for a loser freak, use promo code LOYALSONS at homefieldapparel.com to save big on your next order. 
Each code applies once per email address, so get those work emails and burners ready. That's homefieldapparel.com. We'd like to welcome on to the show, and this will be a joint show today, with the Viva La Cats pod, the Cincinnati Bearcats fan podcast. We've got Justin Hiles and Stephen Maurer. I didn't even ask you how to pronounce your name. Is that right? Did I hit it? Uh, it's Maurer, but don't worry about it. You're good. <laughs> well, we're here, fellas. Guys, we can't thank you enough for taking time to do this with us. Uh, this, should, this should be a fun one. Absolutely. We're glad to be on. Yeah, looking forward to it. And you'll... You listeners, you'll hear Squid um, for Viva La Cats listeners. He's my one of my co-hosts. Um, he's actually taking this one from his vehicle. Squid, why couldn't you make it back home tonight to record? I'm at my dad's 60 softball league championship. I thought the games were seven innings long. Every game I've been to prior has been seven innings long, but I guess the championship is nine innings long. So a little late, <laughs> but I can see the field from here, and they're up. 15 to 3. If they lose, it'll be oh, nice. content. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you posted, maybe. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, let, let us know if uh, Paul hits any dingers out there. <laughs> Watch the windshield. But, we'll yeah, guys, I mean, we we want to kick it off with, like, the hard-hitting question. It's on every top of everyone's mind. What, what are your thoughts on losing the paddle wheel trophy to the River City rivalry? Um, we will not be losing that, uh, because it's not on the line now, I guess. Apparently no longer exists. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Apparently there was a mutual, from what I read, there was a mutual agreement that when the rivalry ended, that it would not be passed back and forth anymore. So we're glad to not have to give it to you and glad to not give you guys hope that you'll get it back either. Well, okay. Let's just be, let's just all put our cards out on the table here. Uh, do y'all consider Cincinnati a rivalry? I know it's been a while since we were in the same conference together. I know we had a couple good games against each other, but just as Pitt fans, do you consider Cincinnati a rival or obviously we're not on the level of, you know, West Virginia and Pitt or anything like that, but I'm just curious what you guys would have to say about that. I'm old enough to remember Marty Gilliard in the snow and that that alone puts them on my shit list <laughs> sorry do you guys swear on my, your podcast yeah right, all, okay, the time. Right. all the time <laughs> perfect i say my toes still haven't thawed from watching marty gilliard that one fateful day in heinz field so for that reason i'd say yes i think back then we were now it's tough to get hype for because you're right before west virginia so it's like we know them we're old buddies but yeah. 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 That makes sense. Maybe maybe it'll be more personal for either side uh following a loss. I think it's hard to really like feel it going into it, but you'll definitely feel it coming out of it. It's kind of like drinking, honestly. It's more like a hangover. You'll feel the hangover from the rivalry and you'll hate one side and the other side will be like, "Eh, yeah, I guess it's fine." But I I would say from a Cincinnati side, I think that we we probably see it as more of a rivalry. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think we, there's still a little bit of like animosity there just a little bit. I don't, I wouldn't say that it's, you know, even on the level of some of the current teams that we've been used to playing. But um, as far as like, if you go back, it's like Pitt and Louisville. Like those are the teams back from our big East days that were like, yeah, we don't like those guys as much, but especially Louisville. We really hate Louisville. Yeah, I, I think 
it loses a bit of its luster now that there's not the trophy on the line. I mean, I think every rivalry game should have a trophy. It just makes it yeah. better, especially when they're as ridiculous looking as the paddle wheel was. Yeah, the uh, dumber the trophy, the better. Yeah, completely agree. 95 pounds of glory. It should be lifted a high above either field, you know? I agree. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, looking at most of these old Big East teams, the teams we played in the Big East games, uh, I, I still feel like it feels like there's a little more history there. Like I know for us, like we Virginia Tech probably wouldn't consider us too much of a rival. Like they have Virginia, uh, they have some of those games. But for some reason, it feels like every time we play Virginia Tech, I'm like, I really want to beat this team because we do have the history that goes back a little further. Whereas now that we've been playing in the ACC, we've developed hatred for North Carolina, right. uh, Florida State and their fans, even though we don't play them all that much. But it, there is something special about these these old Big East matchups. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a little bit of that magic rekindled. I mean, we're, that's why we're excited just to be able to play West Virginia again, um, just to bring back some of those old memories. And I mean, you know, I'm sure there'll be some back and forth over the next few years, too. So if only we could get Pitt as well. I think that's definitely a marquee one. If we, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to steer us into uh realignment talk because that's going to take way too long but at the top of our list is Pitt in louisville to steal from the acc should the cookies crumble in the right direction but you know yeah we've we've tried to put in a hard stop on realignment talk now that the season started <laughs> but if david was here he'd definitely he'd try to open up that <laughs> can of worms but we're gonna we're gonna try to stay away from that too but um our just, official just statement looking- is we will take We'll go wherever we're accepted. That's our official <laughs> statement. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, no more realignment talk. I'm putting a, a stop on it right now. <laughs> um, but so can't learn too much from games against FCS opponents. Both of us uh, went through that last weekend. But what do you guys, can you give me like your 60-second, two-minute rundown of what you guys felt coming into this season with so much turnover with Cincinnati and really what the expectations were for this program from from a Cincinnati standpoint. I know Big 12 media has you guys pretty low in the preseason rankings. They do the same thing to us every year in the ACC. So what what was kind of the expectations for you guys as fans for this, this Cincinnati team? You want to take it, Steve? Sure. So um, I used the term, uh, we were on a Kansas podcast last week, and I used the term measured excitement because obviously with the loss of Luke Fickle and the loss of a bunch of guys to the transfer portal, uh, the mood around the Scott Satterfield hire as well, as well, not many people crazy excited about him when he was first hired. Um, And I, I do think going into a tougher league, that lowered the expectations a little bit. If Fickle was still here, maybe people would be thinking, it could be an eight, nine win team in the big 12. Now I think people will be happy with just getting to a bowl this year, if possible. Um, so a couple of things are changing in the conference. Maybe some teams aren't going to be as good as we thought they might be. I think it'll be interesting though, to see what happens with Satterfield, because I mean, again, you can't really take anything from an FCS opponent, but they, they looked good. Like I, I, I got to temper the excitement of course, but, and I'm sure Pitt fans will say the same thing about their game this past Saturday. Um, and I think this is really a good test for Cincinnati to see what the level can be this year. You know, we really respect Pitt. Great team. Uh, obviously, 2021 ACC champions. Uh, Satterfield did 
beat them last year, even though he was at a different school. But I watched the highlights of that game, and it was just a crazy game. I don't really know if that came down to coaching or anything. It was kind of just nuts. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it, though, and especially against a a former Big East rival. That's just something that everybody's looking forward to and excited about. Yeah, I I could say we were in attendance for that game against Satterfield last year. Um, And there's this guy named Keaton Slovis. He plays quarterback out at BYU now. He threw some of the most abysmal interceptions I've ever seen uh, through that game. And we turned the ball over a few times. And that was really, I think, for Pitt fans, I mean, we lost to Georgia Tech and Louisville last year. And those were the two low points for us. Um, Pretty brutal overall but so i'm not gonna lie playing satterfield again scares me a little bit (laughs) i mean i think that's one of the things that we look at too um you know going into a game like pit i think i think we were more nervous okay how do i measure this this is gonna sound crazy at first but i think we might have felt a little more nervous looking at it from the perspective of having a coach like luke vickle who doesn't have that experience against Pitt. Not that if we had Luke Fickle still, that we would be scared to play Pitt. But I think having Satterfield really made us a lot more confident going into that game, having a guy who knows their scheme and knows exactly what to do to play against Pitt. I, that's, that is such a huge advantage that a lot of teams who are having a first-year head coach at their program are not going to have. Uh, you know, so I think that's a major advantage for us in that wheelhouse, because not only that, I mean, Louisville fans, I'm sure will clip this and argue as much as they want, but you're taking a system that Satterfield had with pretty much all of the same staff, a lot of the same coaches, a a handful of those players as well. And you're upgrading the talent in a couple of those slots too, moving it over to another program. I mean, what's to say it wouldn't be more of the same. You know what I mean? In in a game like that. And so I think there is a bit of advantage. However, I do respect the fact that I think Pitt does have, um, they've got a bit more going for them this year too. And so, you know, that I think is a bit of an advantage um, as well. But overall, like just having Satterfield in that game, I think is really, really clutch for us. Yeah. And I I think for Pitt fans, I I think there's going to be some worry. I know uh, some of the local media asked Narduzzi and his Monday presser, just like scouting a team that has all these different players and all these players from all over. You're not watching a team from last year and it's, you know, eight of these guys were on this offense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's, it's kind of nerve wracking to think that we could walk into Acrisure on Friday or Saturday uh, night. And it's, it's just a team that we're pretty much completely unfamiliar with. And then Satterfield has that tape on, on past year's pit teams. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing that I wanted to bring up really fast, too, is because I've mentioned that on prior shows, is that this, I think, for the first, especially for non-conference, but for the first three to four Big 12 games for us, too, on our schedule, that is the biggest advantage, is because you have zero tape of Scott Satterfield Bearcats, except for what they put up against EKU, and, you know, sure, that's some of the system there, but what we showed at EKU is that we have eight guys who can score a touchdown. What we showed at EKU is that we can absolutely run over a team offensively, and yet we don't really know what that measure of our team is yet because we haven't played against a team like Pitt yet. And so not having that tape, I think, is also a massive advantage, which, again, I think I'm not trying to talk myself into, like, 
there's certainty for Cincinnati, but it definitely feels a lot better going into this situation than I think Pitt fans might feel uh, looking at it optically. Yes, and would you not look at it? You can only look at it optically. There, well, there's yeah. no other way to look <laughs> at fans. You, literally, you can only look at that. I'm just kidding. Sorry. You can look um, at them introspectively. Uh, sure. Fair enough. I will say, though, that uh, Coach Satterfield did mention today about uh, – because Narduzzi mentioned that Cincinnati's wide receiver room is really, really good. He did mention uh, – Satterfield mentioned today in his press conference that he really respects the pit uh, defensive backs and corners room. Um, mentioned a couple guys that were there when they played against Louisville in 2020 that got a couple – that got a pick or two off of that Louisville team. So uh, I think it's just going to be a big challenge, and especially – we know uh, Coach Narduzzi from his time at UC when uh, about 15 years ago. Uh, so it's a uh, you know he he's a defensive minded coach and he's really going to try and stop us uh, any way he can. And you know just with the that power five talent and level, this is going to be the biggest bellwether mark. And I think it's good to have this right away just to see where we're at year one and if that bowl goal that I mentioned earlier is possible. Yeah, and. You mentioned the DBs for Pitt. I mean, Pitt brings back three corners who've played a ton of football. Uh, Mark Wes Williams, AJ Woods, MJ Devonshire, three guys who've played a ton of football for them, played in ACC championship games. Uh, we are replacing our two starting safeties. Eric Howell and Brandon Hill both got taken the NFL draft last year, and we've got two guys back there who've played a lot less football. Uh, so I don't know. what what What's the O-line look, situation look like over there? Because – Pitt's bread and butter on defense is always that that front four gets gets pretty ferocious. I mean, I think Cincinnati looks at that what exactly what you just said and feels the same way. Um, and, and so I think like O line wise, we still have a couple question marks as to how these guys are going to gel in a you know big time game, big time environment. Um, <clears throat> I, I think. You know, you're not necessarily returning a lot. You don't really have a lot of knowledge of these guys either. And so, you know, with with a lot of changes happening there, it's kind of hard to say confidently, like, this is how this is going to work out. But overall, I mean, against EKU, there was plenty of there was plenty of time, I think, on top of that. Any concerns that you might have in the O-line, I think Emory Jones does give you an advantage as well because – he is very mobile. I mean, there were so many times where, you know, he'd take two steps back, go in a little spin cycle, and next thing you know, he's hucking a shot down the field about 40, 50 yards. And, and so having an O-line that may have some holes is definitely problematic, but having a quarterback that can maneuver some of those possible issues is definitely helpful too. So I, I think – it's still a little bit up in the air. I think Pitt really, like Steve said, is going to be the big measuring mark for what to expect from this team moving forward. And to play devil's advocate to you, Justin, real quick, uh, Cincinnati did give up six tackles for loss and two sacks on Saturday against Eastern Kentucky. Um, obviously, they, they were in situations where their receivers could just be more athletic than Eastern Kentucky's players. So, again, this will be a good level for us. But, um, yeah, just – just always been impressed with Pitt's defense and how they're able to muck it up and make it like just a defensive game where if, you know, things are going the wrong way for Cincinnati, it could get really ugly on the defensive side, True. on the offensive side for Cincinnati. I mean, yeah. 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 I appreciate the, uh, 
the praise there, but this has been a little cordial for a for a game that's supposed to be a rivalry game. He has a rivalry name in it. Uh, tell tell us why you you're gonna beat us. Who who are your top dogs? I mean, I know Emory Jones had seven touchdowns. I don't know if I'm completely sold on him uh, after watching him play at Florida uh, past couple of years. But what 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 do you guys see and what do you guys think um, are like? If if you gave have to give me three names, like these are the studs on Cincinnati's roster this year. I mean, so far, if I'm going to give my three, uh, you know, whether you agree or not, Emory Jones feels like a stud. I mean, it, FCS or not, putting up some numbers, like honestly making some really accurate passes, not making anything that was really dicey either, finding guys out in the open. Like I, it was, he did a fantastic job of that um, this week. I, I would say, <laughs> Xavier Henderson, that man. That man looks like he could ball out this year. I mean, and it's, again, this is one of those things where you're figuring out how much stock you're putting in a game against EKU. But, uh, you know, this guy clearly does have talent, um, and there's a bit of familiarity there too. Um, and there's some chemistry, I think, that's building in that wide receiver room. So I, I think that's a big bellwether mark there. And, I mean, honestly, a name that you're going to hear a lot, Dante Corleone, Jawan Briggs, Eric Phillips. Those guys are dogs. Like those three on that defensive side of the ball are going to, they're going to wreck shit. It's going to, you're going to hear those names for sure. Dante Corleone's an all time football name. All time football name. That's a good Can't one. Touch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to be too more cordial before we get back to the shit talk, but, um, I know uh, Yins like to uh, put fries on your sandwiches and stuff. So Dante Corleone went at Skyline. He has his own order called the Godfather where he puts, you know, the chili and cheese Toledo. And then he puts fries and habanero uh, and uses habanero cheese instead. So um, that, and like just obviously the Godfather name is a big part of his thing. He's one of our big NIL athletes. He's got, uh, he's got his own burgers on pizza um, and, soon enough he'll have his own skyline order too so but yeah he's he's our he's our big guy up front um and also justin i would mention uh deshaun pace as well local mm-hmm. cincinnati kid who's gonna be playing a little bit of that rover position um and he could get uh, out and break up some passes or blitz the quarterback so i do think that if cincinnati's gonna find a way to win this game it's gonna be that our defense is gonna have to win the turnover battle make a play and get to Phil Dracovic, whose uh, feet look like they're trapped in the cement. <laughs> hey, he scampered for what twenty-four yard touchdown this last. I mean, it was against Wofford, but uh, he he scampered. I, I will say, looking at Phil, um, so I don't. You guys know he went to Notre Dame, played at BC, but he's a local guy to Pittsburgh, played at Pine Richland High School, and he was like the chosen one, like won a state championship, was all all state multiple years in a row and one of his things was actually how athletic he was and he was a super good hooper like two-hand dunking in seventh grade like that type of freak athlete um and now he just looks like he's just putting on as much weight as possible to be like a ben roethlisberger-esque um we, we did a golf outing and that phil attended back in july and like seeing that dude like he looks like a tight end so um that's the one thing we were we're wondering like can he still move and it's not like you said he doesn't look super nimble but he's he's doing the ben roethlisberger tossing defenders off staying in the pocket shaking guys off he's gonna be hard to bring down so uh 
much like we're going to have trouble taking down Emory Jones, I think his is more just being a quick switch type guy. You guys might have some some troubles trying to get Phil down, especially these early season games when you really haven't been allowed to hit quarterbacks yet. I mean, I know we had four sacks last week against Wofford, but it was also like guys are coming off the edge untouched. That's one thing I worry about is like, are these guys ready to get after a mobile quarterback, get him to the ground? Well, I mean, if hitting Phil's anything like hitting Ben, you kind of just have to, you know, tap him. Just tap him and he's out. No, Justin, you know what Ben was like. (laughs) As Scar Bengals fans, we understand, man. Like, it took, I don't know, it might have taken six guys to get him down. When he he was was like at his uh, peak, uh, no offense, weight, you know. (laughs) It was just, it was just hard to get him down, man. So, um, I, I do think some of those guys we mentioned can get in the backfield, um, you know, because you're going to have to focus on at least two. And uh, another guy we didn't mention, but uh, Daniel Griziak, he's uh, he's going to be coming uh, as like that outside stand-up linebacker type of guy who will creep down and get Freak. on the line. Yeah, um, he, <laughs> he could he could technically maybe try and like just if you're focusing too much on Corleone and Briggs, maybe mm-hmm. Griziak just beats his man one on one. And gets back there but you just gotta make sure you wrap up hold on like don't don't let him go because then that's where that's where plays break down and then obviously we just haven't seen this defense be tested like that yet well and in a blitz situation too you're always going to feel it coming from every side but like I, I think Cincinnati's pressure especially in those kind of situations when you have all of those guys that are that talented and can break through that line um it's it's going to come from all angles, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I, and this is a thing that I think EKU kind of exposed a bit, and we'll see how this goes against Pitt. Um, if you throw to the outside, if you throw, you know, a couple <clears throat> edge of the sideline plays, you're you might be okay. Like you might find some success there. Um, I mean, it, we'll see how that goes. I think there's a lot of opportunities for the Cincinnati defense to kind of lock down. Um, but right now I think that's probably one of my larger concerns, um, in sort of that short, quick passing play game. If we can defend that well, Dylan, I want to hear from you. Why are you guys going to beat the crap out of us? Like, you know, let let us have it. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it really for Pitt, um, a lot of the season wanes on just what they can do in the trenches that we return a lot of experience on the O-line, a lot of talent on those O-lines. And then obviously, as I said, in the, on the defensive line, like C- Charlie Partridge, uh, we believe we lead the country in sacks since 2019. I mean, that's just part of how they play. It's all about getting after the quarterback and kind of causing havoc up front. Um, and I think the big thing for Pitt right now is, I feel a lot better about where we are as an offense than we did last year. Um, Phil Dracovic played for Frank Signetti and had his best college season under Signetti at Boston College when he was the OC. Um, and we have a stable of running backs who I think can be really, really good. Uh, you look at Rodney Hammond. He was the number two guy behind Izzy Abanacanda last year. But um, before he got hurt in the backyard brawl, I mean, he kind of was taking over that game to kick off the season. And it looks like, you know, they only gave him five carries last Saturday. want to keep him fresh, but he looks like he has a little bit more pep in his step. And he's a guy who's been productive at the running back position since he was a freshman. I mean, he closed out the the win over Clemson 2021 at home. Uh, They basically just rode him to victory in the fourth quarter as a true freshman. So um, between me kind of just feeling that 
the defense will figure it out just because Narduzzi seems to usually get it figured out with the defense. Uh, I think compared to last year, the team that the team that lost to Scott Satterfield had a quarterback that no one really believed in in the locker room and didn't really mesh well at all with the offensive coordinator. So um, a lot of our hope is on that that offense being a little more explosive, being a little bit more talented and having a quarterback that these guys have actually rallied rallied around and believe can take them and win them games and also you have to come to pittsburgh for it uh, not that <laughs> i not everyone's gonna sit there and uh call us there's gonna be people calling out the yellow steets and heinz field and attendance state fans uh from the middle of the state of pennsylvania will probably be bragging about how many people show up to their game on saturday but uh you're gonna be in the north shore for about five hours with people tailgating game doesn't kick off till six 30. You're going to have some rowdy yinzers in that stadium. <laughs> CW game too. Like it's going to be, yeah, uh, it, yeah. Uh, I can't believe it took us this electric. long to bring up. It's the first broadcast on the CW. You first know, and the, I, I have not talked about this yet, but Steve, I think this does make the trifecta for Cincinnati because we've had the Facebook live stream uh, against Marshall back in, what was that? Uh, 2019? 2019. Yeah. 2019. Um, we've had some other horrid streams, especially on the basketball end. I'm trying to think of what the other worst football stream would be. I'm hoping that the CW is not that case because of course, for those of us who are uh, outside of that stadium, uh, we would like to watch the game and hopefully it's good. Uh, if we can watch like, any of the DC shows or perhaps uh, some reruns of some old CW shows, picture in picture. I think that'd be great. Yeah. I saw we'll some see. tweets going around that uh, there were some other, I, I don't, obviously it wasn't college football, but what, whatever was being broadcast on the CW, they were just like cutting away from it before the game was over. I think it was some <laughs> baseball games or something. So good luck to you guys. You're not going to make the trip in. No, I'm, we're we're not in Cincinnati. I mean, so. Steve, you're in, what did you say? You're in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, I'm out in Arizona, and Justin is in Nashville. But um, our Discord some direct flights from there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, you know, you gotta gotta check, make sure, you know, see what see what we got this week. Um, there are some people in our Discord though that are really excited about making the trip up and going to this game. I think that's one of the things that sucks about. Obviously, we're really excited to be in the Big Twelve, but missing out on some of those local, regional, like drivable rivalries that. People right. are really fans of, I mean, obviously, you know, Bengals fans and Steelers fans go back and forth every year. I think people do kind of miss that about having Pitt, Louisville, West Virginia in the conference and having a lot more easier games to get to rather than just having to take a flight to Texas or, you know, drive to Iowa. It's a little bit different. So <laughs> um, it'll be nice though, to be able to have some, some fans there. I, I just am excited to see what, what this game looks like. And I'm just hoping for a, like a, a good game. I mean, obviously I don't want us to get blown out, but um, I, I think a, a great game on the CW Gilmore girls coming on after the show, <laughs> uh, after the game, you know, what, what more could you ask for on college football Saturday? <laughs> what do you guys think of that line then? Minus seven is what I saw it at earlier today. I don't know if it's moved at all, but I saw <laughs> it at minus seven. That's uh I think I think you're gonna want to bite on that if well, you're a Bearcats fan. But no, I, I so I I saw seven and a half today. I mean, if you if they're, you're oh, yeah. gonna get the half point, you got to take the half point. You know, I I do think that Pitt probably has the better talent and probably 
can win this game just from reading some projections and uh, looking at some roster and stuff and such. But if you get a seven and a half line as a UC fan, I think you got to take that because, you know, there's a possibility that you could get run out of the building, but there's also a possibility that it could be a 21, 14, uh, 24, 17 type of game. And if you're within that seven and a half, I mean, great teams well, cover, you know, speaking of the 24, 17s of the world too, the, uh, the over under here is 47, which is very interesting because given that these two teams are very like, I think traditionally defensive minded uh, you would expect that it'd be a little bit of a lower score, but I'm, I'm curious to see what we get because we could either end up with a rock fight, which is really what I'm expecting, or it could just be a, you know, slinging one down the field, one down the field. I, I don't think that the defenses will really allow for that, but I do think personally that it's probably going to rely on the run game for Cincinnati. And it's probably going to rely on the passing game for Pitt. Um, and, and so depending on how that goes, We'll see, but I, I don't know. The the 47, I think, is enticing, too. I would probably take the under there if it were me. Um, but I did want to mention one other thing that I found recently. So if you look a little bit closer into the FPI ranking, so uh, Pitt sits at 28, Cincinnati sits at 30. Some really good opportunities there for either team for um, you know, a, you know, a good quality win there. Uh, of course, we talk quality wins because this is uh, football season, uh, not basketball season. Um, but regardless... <clears throat> I saw that Cincinnati's bowl eligible or like, uh, you know, six wins bowl eligibility percentage. I have no idea what it was at before, but given that the, uh, or given that the spread was like, what was it? Five and a half. Was that, was that the mark for the season, Steve? I think it was oh, five uh, and a half. The right? over under you mean? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah five sorry, and a half. Sorry. The over under was five and a half. The Bearcats are now sitting on ESPN's FBI for the uh, six wins mark at 85%. So there's been a lot of confidence instilled in there. And uh, Pitt's actually at 82, which I find very interesting because I do not think that, that uh, there was much confidence there for the Bearcats before they uh, flattened EKU. And now we're going to ride that into the sun, which actually for once the media, I think, gave us credit for beating an FCS team. And it seems they've done so for Pitt as well. Yeah. Uh man, they I think they had us at six and a half, some of the some of the Vegas lines for our wins. And we're all sitting Pitt fans were like, all right, we're being disrespected again. There's great value here. But then looking at our schedule, I, I think we're gonna get over six and a half. I just don't touch that because I'm mush and whatever I bet on the opposite will hit. I mean, Vegas has a funny way of doing that. So same yeah. with the minus seven for this game. I've I don't think I'd touch that with a 10 foot pull. <laughs> yeah. Because they're just, it's just in the too many variables there. And obviously uh, you don't really know what Cincinnati can bring in this type of game. And maybe it's a thing where if it's early and, you know, Pitt runs out to a quick 14, nothing lead, you just bet the live line and just say, okay, we're like, That's fair. it's, it's starting here. So um, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a, a, a a gambling fan, I'll say, you know, uh, so definitely Steve you know, has a problem. A, <laughs> uh, a savant. Uh, right, easy. You know. <laughs> savant. There we go. Yeah. That's a nice way to say it. But yeah, I, I do think if you, you don't like that seven line either way uh, and something happens right away in the start of the game, definitely look on those live lines and see if you can get any additional value. Man, if, if this game starts off, 
if this starts off with pit down, you I won't be pulling out my phone to place any bets. I'll be puking in my seat. Like I'm already nervous. It's there's something about like we play an FCS team and it's like we're worried about what we're gonna how we're gonna all get to the tailgate, what kind of food we've got going. Like, are do we have the generator so we can watch the noon game in the parking lot? And this game, it's like it's Tuesday, and I'm like. I don't know. Did Emory Jones get it figured out? Is he <laughs> is he finally like six year Emory Jones gonna just light us up? So um no, I'm I'm super excited for it. I'm I'm glad Pitt's playing this game and like I know we want to make the trip to Cincinnati next year. It's an easy road trip, so it'll be cool to see. You know, I, I don't think I saw a single Wofford fan last week. I don't know that they exist. So <laughs> it'll be cool to see uh some former foes, friends, friends I'll put in air quotes there. Uh, with you guys, but frenemies, uh, frenemies, there it is. But um, yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for it. I think this should be a good one. I think the CW hit a home run choosing this as their first game to put on the network. But uh, do you guys want to give me a score prediction? Ooh, uh, Steve, lead off. Lead off so I can play off you. Okay. Well, if I wanted to be mean, Justin, and I'm not being mean, but if I wanted to be mean, I would say 45 to 44 Cincinnati wins. But uh, that's just All right, we're being, mean, yes. being mean. Yes. So, and I, 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 I love the Bearcats too much. And I, I would not expect any person who's a fan of their team to really pick against them. So I'll say we win 20 to 17 late field goal. I respect that we do, we we typically don't pick against Pitt ever. It took a lot last year when we so when someone finally did it, it was like a big ordeal. Like, should we do this or not? Yeah, <laughs> you're like calculate. You're like replaying it like five times in post, like wondering whether or not you should just edit it out. Yeah. Well, and then it, us in Cincinnati land, like we've been pretty spoiled over the last few regular seasons. I mean, we we didn't really lose many many regular season games until <laughs> last year, but like it was for a while there it was pretty sure bet that the Bearcats were going to win win on Saturday but now new league new harder competition we might uh I might be picking uh the Bearcats to not win a couple times this year (laughs) (laughs) well I will not be partaking in that tradition of uh not picking the Bearcats uh it will be the Bearcats on Saturday as far as I am concerned and I'm gonna say like I said, I think it's going to be a rock fight. Do I think it's going to be a low scoring rock fight? No, but I don't think the ceiling is very high. I'm going to put it at like a 20. I'm going to put it like a, okay. Given concrete feet, Phil, we're going to go 26. It's going to be a weird score. 26, 21. I would say that's, that's going to be my, my final there. Well, just remember what you said about Phil come Saturday night when he <laughs> when he's breaking one down the sideline. Uh, he's lighting us up for 70 yards on foot. I'm, I'm telling you, he's quicker. He's quicker than he looks. Uh, that, <laughs> that's funny. Your score was oddly close to what I had picked out. I was pretty much just going off Vegas knows everything and I know nothing. And that seven, seven points, it'll probably be pretty close to that and it'll probably be pretty close to the 46 i was going 26 20 
uh, Pitt doesn't cover, but pulls it out. And like you said, I think it's going to be a weird game. It's it's mm-hmm. so early. Neither team has played a power five opponent yet. And I, I think it, there's going to be some sloppy play. I think you're going to see a handful of turnovers and probably the difference is whatever team can take care of the ball a little better. So I, I'm going with my Panthers. I have to. Uh, and my co-hosts aren't here to aren't here to defend me or tell me I didn't pick them to win en- by enough. So twenty six twenty, that's my final score. Hey, there you go, man. That's fair. That's fair. And if we get that, then uh, the the money coming in from the CW could could completely change the the trajectory of realignment in college football. But guys, I I appreciate you guys so much for coming on and doing this. Uh, I know we had some technical difficulties on our end, but uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, really appreciated it. And then uh, we'll send you a picture of the paddle wheel if we do win on Saturday. Even I've, if I've... we don't, we'll send it to you so you can just know that you don't get it anyways. <laughs> Does it still sit in a storage room somewhere? Do we know? Do we know the whereabouts <laughs> in, of it? Uh, I actually asked today, and a good person who would know told me it is in our business office. So uh, we don't have it out in front in display anymore like we used to back in the Big East days, but we still do have it. Uh, it's a little bit different than last year when Louisville had to ask a guy who had the keg of nails at his house to give it back to them. <laughs> and, that, and then, like, I don't even know if that guy got it back or if it's still in the football trophy case, but. Well, and let's be fair. I mean, I know Scott Satterfield didn't coach in that game, but law of transitive property. I mean, Scott Satterfield and Louisville staff went to Cincinnati. So shouldn't we have that back? That's only fair, right? Um, I, unfortunately, we did not win the game, but, you know, I mean. Well, fuck it. Who cares? I want, yeah, I, the, I want the keg of nails. I don't know what. Uh, like how they how they do trophy rights with college football rivalries, but I do know that if when we win on Saturday, the loyal sons will be storming the business school at Cincinnati and demanding <laughs> the paddle wheel. Whether our administration cares for it or not, the fans want the paddle wheel, and we want it out front and center. Uh, I'm, I'm still holding out hope that someone's someone's going to get mad enough about this, and they're gonna they're gonna find a way to get it to the stadium on Saturday. You know what we'll do? We'll send you a picture of it with Steve polishing it with a terrible towel. <laughs> With a terrible towel, I can't touch that. Uh, can't well, touch no, with towel. gloves. You got to have gloves on. With a with my Bengal towel, how about that? Yeah, there you go. That's fair. <laughs> this has gotten sufficiently disrespectful. <laughs> fuck Cincinnati. Let's go, Pitt. Hey, fuck Pitt. <laughs> Perfect. Pit. It's, it's a rivalry now. Yeah. I'm Pitt. Yeah, you guys asked us earlier. We consider Cincinnati a rivalry. If if for nothing else, you two. There we go. <laughs> Sounds good. We did Sounds our part, good. Justin. Yes. <laughs> Love it, guys. Well, hey. Have fun watching the game on CW. We'll be we'll be front and center watching it. Uh, but thanks again. Can't can't thank you guys enough. Thank you again. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, appreciate it. Looking forward to it. It's time for the Loyal Sun Sportsbook to preview the River City rivalry. Cincinnati comes to Pittsburgh. This Loyal Sun Sportsbook is brought to you by Big Shop Bobs, the original Big Shop Bobs. Mm. The wings are amazing. Um, we're going to get right into it, fellas. First one, over or under 99 and wait, a half. Wait, 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 wait. Should we, should we rehash what the score is after last week? Uh, I was trying to skip right by that. Yeah, okay. No. Um, counted up the points. David, you have four. Uh-huh. Squid, you have two. I have one. Picking up right where we left off. Dylan... You're kind of ass at this. I am great. 
I have more than both of you combined. Okay, we may now proceed. <laughs> okay, first one of the week. Over under 99 and a half rushing yards for Rodney Hammond. Squid, you kick us off. Uh, I think David's in the first place. He has to go first. I'll take the over there. You, you don't basically hold your star running back out for an entire game other than the 40% of his touches that resulted in touchdowns. Thank you to Dylan, our stats department. Um, Just to not use him in your first meaningful game of the season. uh, I think think we'll be feeding him the rock to control the clock in this game, to wear down Cincinnati. Uh, I don't know a ton about Cincinnati, um, but I do know that they are not a super deep team because they lost so many guys when fickle left. Uh, I imagine this is a team we can kind of, we can and will just sort of grind down. And that means a heavy dose of Rodney Hammond. Squid. I'm going to go under. I was going to go under, but I absolutely locked it. in after David took the over, got some ground to make up. (laughs) I also am just a firm believer of this year being a running back by committee. I can see Hammond getting, 75, 80, Sebo getting a lot of run. Dan Carter was a workhorse last week. They're not going to completely get rid of him. And Phil Jerkovic will scamper for a bunch of rushing yards too. So by committee, I think we'll have a big day on the ground. Might not be full workload, Ronnie Hammond. Yeah, I'll I'll be interested to see how this goes. I'm going to go over because I'm of the belief that they are going to use him as a bit more of a workhorse this week. I think Rodney looked really sharp in his five carries, uh, obviously the two touchdowns. Uh, once again, the, the line, say the line again. It's against Wofford, but he looked super quick when he was touching the ball, had a little pep in his step, and I think Rodney Hammond's in for a big year, and I think he gets he gets started on Saturday night, I think we have maybe something similar to what we saw in 2021 where he's closing out the game in the fourth quarter, just getting four yards, five yards a pop. Um, but I, I think a lot of it does depend on, you know, are they going to give him the ball 20 times? Or are they going to give him the ball 12 times? Um, I lean towards they're going to be closer to 20. So that's why I'm going to go over on this one. And and Narduzzi was like dancing around, like naming a starting running back or like a main, a number one running back. And I know college coaches all do this and Narduzzi is notorious for this, but I do find like they're trying to maybe sell Dan Carter, make teams watch more film on Dan Carter. But does anyone honestly believe Rodney Hammond won't be the workhorse for this team this year if he stays healthy? I mean, there's no way anyone's buying that. That would be the most Narduzzi thing imaginable trying to convince teams like, our third string running back that plays fullback sometimes. No, no, this guys, I swear, this is our running back. Now everyone just like watch a whole bunch of film on him. I promise this is the guy. He loves secrets. Yeah. That's just kind of college coaches things, but yeah, I think, I think Rodney's going to be the guy Saturday. Um, this one pulled this one straight off Fandle, just a simple over under, but I, I want to get your guys feel for what kind of game we think this is going to be on Saturday um, over under right now, 46 and a half. And um, 
I don't know. Do, do we feel like that's high, low? I guess that decides what, what pick you make here. Uh, Squid? I'm going to go over. It's early in the year. I don't think either of these defenses are going to be super sharp. I do think Pitt will do a good job uh, containing Emory Jones. I think Narduzzi's done a pretty good job of making these dual-threat quarterbacks one-dimensional in the past. Like Malik Cunningham never really torched us despite beating us. He just looked pretty pedestrian compared to his other games, statistic-wise. And I think that could happen again. But like I said early in the year, a couple busted coverages. Scott Satterfield pulled out some trick plays last year to get some easy touchdowns. Uh, and I think Pitt's offense will look good. So I'll take the over. This is a this is a really tough one, and not just because my brain does not know what to make of these numbers, but because I think that whether or not this over hits will indicate to us if we have an offense or not this year. Kind of hard to tell what the offense looks like when Narduzzi's giving you a fraction of the playbook and you're beating Wofford by 38 points. So are we going to come out against a team that's, even though might not have the the Jimmys and Joes, probably has the X's and O's, definitely very sound uh, defensively. That's just the culture that they've built at Cincinnati. Um, are we going to be able to come out and score against them, put up 35, 40 points against them? I think that will indicate what we can expect from our offense the rest of the year. So we're going to, we are going to beat this over ourselves. We are going to score a million points, maybe 2 million points. Either way, uh, we're crushing that over. I already gave a score prediction with the Viva La Cats guys. Um, and just to stay consistent here. I'm going to go under uh, based on my earlier score prediction that neither you know right now, so I don't have to give that away. And my uh, wife, I didn't last that long, so. Uh, and I was I hanging think... out. I was hanging out with our friends at uh, Draft Four One Two. Go check out that interview. Good plug. Good plug. Good um, plug. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go under here. I think this could be a rock fight, and Narduzzi's going to sell it that way. He's going to tell his guys, these are two gritty cities, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, separated by a river, and he's going to try to make the game play out that way. Hopefully it doesn't have to play out that way. Maybe we can get a little little bit of that deep ball action that we've been hearing so much about through the fall. But I'm just going to go under here based on my my previous score prediction. Um, Next up, I can kick this one off. Uh, Who will have more touchdowns on Saturday? Phil Dracovic or Emory Jones? Now, Emory Jones is coming off a game against Eastern Kentucky where he accounted for seven touchdowns, five through the air, two rushing. Once again, it's against an FCS school. Phil put up two touchdowns, one rushing, one passing. One passing, one rushing. Uh, I'm going to go, and I'd almost want to go a push here. Can we, is, that, is that legal? Is that legal? Yeah. 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 Does it make sense? That's the real question. Give me Phil. Phil's going to go off. Phil, Phil Dracova coming out party. He didn't show much on Saturday night um, against Wofford. 
because they didn't need him to show much. But I think Phil is going to be under those bright lights. He's going to feel like he's back in a Whippeal championship game for Pine Richland. And the star is going to come out. And I think Dayon Hayes is going to be all over Emory Jones all night. Breathing down his neck. Better get comfortable down there. Real comfortable. Dylan, I, I'm i going to actually go with Emory Jones here. Not because I think he's going to outplay Phil. I just think he will score two touchdowns. One through the air, one on the ground. Phil will throw for one. And then Rodney Hammond's going to run for however many touchdowns would then complete the final score that I have picked in my head, which let's say two. Rodney Hammond's going to have two. Okay. We'll see if that math checks out and you have your score prediction. Yeah, it probably won't. I'm not going to lie. I looked at the notes earlier, and at first glance, I thought it said who will have more TOs, as in turnovers, not TDs. And I was very confused by why we're going this route. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. But now that it's touchdowns, I can comfortably say Phil Dracovic. I think he will throw for two. two and I think he's going to rush for one. We saw that he is perhaps the best QB sneak quarterback in the country last Saturday. So I think he gets two through air, one by ground. And Emory I'm Jones does not get that many. I'm glad you brought up the QB sneaks because otherwise that would have never gotten mentioned. But Phil was just waltzing four yards forward like like just crawling didn't matter pirouetting he was he was getting five yards every time it was hysterical. i think pat narduzzi did say that cincinnati's best defender is their nose tackle and he lines up over the center so Wait, perhaps that, uh, is that dante corleone the godfather yes, corleone mm-hmm. so perhaps it'll be slightly harder against that guy versus whatever whatever individual was suiting up for the Wofford Terriers, but I still think it's going to happen. Phil's too, He's too big. Phil's 250. Like that's a, that's a hell of a weapon at, at, for a QB sneak. Yeah. Without okay, looking I'm... it up, without looking it up, I'm certain Phil weighs more than whoever Wofford had a nose tackle. I'm going to be real mad at, we can be mad at Frank Cianetti for a lot of things this year. The thing I might be most mad at him for is if he doesn't adopt the, put a guy in motion and push the quarterback on third and one play. I don't think we ever did that last year. Obviously we didn't have a great mobile quarterback, but every team does it. It works every time. We also have the biggest quarterback in the country, put Dan Carter on his rear and shove. It will not be stopped. Yeah. I, I maybe see. Carter Johnson, maybe Bart, I was maybe put him in like a full Carter. house formation and get them all behind them. It will not be stopped. I feel like I've yet to see that play not work. I don't know why everybody hasn't adopted it at this point. I hate watching it, but if Pitt does it, it'll be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sig, Sig, like, let's just figure that out. Maybe he just doesn't think they need to. Phil's big enough. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Next up, we've got our uh, over under $400 we spend on parking passes this week, the tailgate. And this is a real number. This is a real uh, real prop we're putting into this. It's 
pretty easy over. I've been monitoring. Oh, the line the line just got swung again. We've got another one taken off StubHub. Over under $450 we spent on parking passes this week. Fees included, over. Over. We're spending more per week than we paid for passes for an entire season last year. The passes will be more than our season tickets. Oh, no, no doubt. I'm going over here. Thanks, Repark. We'll be there, though. Don't you worry. I think. First touchdown score. We're having a tweak uh, early in the season. The, the lines didn't adjust for this early enough last year with Izzy Abanacanda. Um, you only get one point for Rodney Ham and two points for anyone else. So, David, you have the honors as the Rod- person who got it correct last week. Rodney Hammond, we blitz all night. This is what this is going to be the same exact thing as last year, isn't it? I mean, you only have one person to blame for that, and it's Frank Signetti. I will go Phil Jerkovic. Phil's a good pick, man. I, 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 you guys have me sold that the first one's just going to be a QB sneak from like the four. Narduzzi's just going to be like, just sneak Phil. He gets four yards every time. Um, I like both of those picks. I'd like to see something through the air, though. Give me Bart. Yeah, I'm Bartholomew. Going to get on the board early. We got to see him get involved early and often. I want to see. Phil apparently loves to throw to tight ends. He threw one to a tight end on Saturday. So let's get one to Bart. Get him on a couple. Yeah. Well, I meant a touchdown. Well. (laughs) All right. Fellas, the line right now. Most recent update. Let me let me take a second glance. I saw it at seven earlier today. Pit minus seven. Is that still what we're seeing? Well, this is the Loyal Sun Sportsbook, so, so we get to choose. We can't make our own line. That but, is true, but I'm already halfway there. Jeopardy music plays. Wish it didn't take like five minutes to log into FanDuel. Seven. We're still at seven. Still at seven. What do we I'll think? First, I don't want to take my score. I think it's a good one. Pitt's offense has scored over 30 points in three straight games. I think it's more than that. Is it four? Might be four. Last week, the Sun Bowl, Miami. Who did we play before Miami? Duke. Only 28 against Duke. Okay, so three straight games. So I was correct. But the game before that, they scored 37 well, their offense didn't score that many. They had like three pick sixes, two pick sixes, whatever. The offense has been good lately. Signetti, critique him all you want. He's been pointing up points. And I think we're going to get very, very close to that 30 mark again. I say 29-23. Since he covers, close game, Pitt prevails. I'm going to go with the same logic I gave the Viva LaCats guys that you two were not available for. Um 2620. The over under is 46 and a half. Vegas will nail it within like a half a point. 
and then the spread seven. So they'll nail that within a point. I've got Pitt 26 20. A bit of a rock fight, just like Narduzzi wants it. It's going to be sloppy. First power five game for each of these teams. Um, and yeah, we're going to get out of there with a win, but we're going to sweat it out. Dylan, that's such bullshit because the number I've had in my head since we started recording was 27 to nothing. I said 26 to 20. Oh, I meant I meant 20. Did I say nothing? Yes. <laughs> it's a Freudian slip. And as much as I love that idea now, and I'm going to talk myself into it falling asleep at night. Um, no, 27 to 20. Um, however... I'm going to hedge my bets by saying Cincinnati covers minus seven because I sure as hell am not saying a put. I'm not. I'm not picking a push on the line. That that's like statistically a stupid thing to do in this kind of construct. I do think we're going to win twenty-seven to twenty. Phil will have a touchdown. Hammond will have two. Ben Sauls puts two through. Um, but just to safeguard, I'm going to say. It's more likely than not that since he covers the seven point spread. Is that allowed? No. Doesn't your your pick have to align with your score? I always thought it did. So you're taking a push. Alright, uh then twenty one, twenty seven, twenty one. Do you want that? Uh twenty eight twenty four. So not two field goals from Ben Sauls. Are we going for what, what? How are we getting there? Shut up. I don't know. Okay. okay. Tw- 27, 24. Final answer. <laughs> Jeez, it got a lot closer. You started off at 27, nothing. Now it's 27, 24. Yeah, we need to wrap this up before you have us losing the game. Um. All right. Well, is that all we got? Oh, the line on the parking pass just went up again. Not really. We we just need to figure that out. Yeah. Um, DM us if you have a gold lot pass you want to part with. Also, we we need ideas for what the trophy slash punishment for this is going to be, and we kept forgetting to ask people for their opinions. Just don't make us do anything weird, please. But send us your ideas. Final Thoughts is brought to you by Guerrero Law. Squid, tell me the best and worst thing to happen to you this week. There was a, a lot of good. And a thorn. Yeah, no. Thornish, the worst thing. I got stung by a bee. Oh no! Bad. Yeah, I tried to swat it, and it just latched onto my hand and stung me. So yeah, that hurt. The best thing was Rib Fest. I got to watch college football a lot. I went golfing. It was a great Labor Day. Rib Fest takes the cake. Those were so good. Isn't that just like life? Sometimes you're enjoying some delicious barbecue food items. And sometimes you are being attacked by an angry, angry swarm of bees. Life is full of ups and downs. And when you are facing those downs, you need someone in your corner like Guerrero Law. Call Guido at Guerrero Law. He will help turn your losses into ACC championship wins. That's GuerreroLaw.com. G-U-R-R-E-R-A-L-A-W dot C-O-M. You can reach him at 412-229-7757. He is licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio-based 
right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, uh, Squid, would you like to do the honors of kicking us off while you nurse your bee sting? I could. I've fought through some adversity this weekend. Hero. My final thoughts are I think the ACC might just be really good this year. The teams or the conferences that are falling apart might be the best. The Pac-12, I made fun of them, but they haven't lost yet. They might have some very highly ranked teams. The ACC, a lot of ranked teams. We got Florida State looking like a playoff contender. UNC, impressive win over South Carolina. That's two wins over the SEC. Duke, they might climb to the top 10 for all we know until they face off against Pitt in the top 10 matchup final week of the season. Clemson, Does, I'm sure they'll hang around to the rankings despite being down. And Duke beating Clemson counts as a ACC win over the SEC. What? Yeah, I've decided. Oh, okay. I I was confused. But if we decided, then they, yeah, that's that. Conference could be really good. Be on alert. I'm Don't sure. Let the mainstream media tell you otherwise about the ACC. I'm sure we'll hear about how bad the ACC is because Clemson isn't good this year. Just like it was bad in 2021 because Clemson wasn't as good as they usually are. Despite having three teams in the top 16. Yep. We know what will happen. It's not. It's not going to be a surprise. They're not going to catch us off guard. Um, my final thought: I think Dion is cool. Colorado is cool. God damn it! Yeah, I I know we want to hate him, and I'm still not happy about what he said about Narduzzi, acting like he wouldn't know who he was or wouldn't recognize him. Whatever he said, um, but they were the Fox Big Noon game on Saturday. And they put up 45 points. Shadur Sanders threw for 500 yards. And Travis Hunter played both sides of the ball, playing basically every snap. And not even just, not like okay, like he was insane on both sides of the ball. That is just absurdly cool. And I don't know if it means Colorado is actually going to be really good this year. Probably lean towards they're going to be closer to 500 than a team that is making playoff noise, but I think they're pretty cool. They're very cool, unfortunately. And I mean, to to kind of temper the expectations, I think TCU might be butt. And I think if Travis Hunter... Yeah, they had three remaining players, uh, three remaining starters from last year's team. Um, And if they keep playing Travis Hunter 120 snaps a game, something bad is going to happen. Um, but you know, we, we hate Dion for the whole, all the stuff over the summer and for, um, seemingly relishing and embarrassing all of the players that were left in the program when he started from last year, uh, putting a camera in their face and filming their reaction as he told them that they all sucked and he was replacing them and sending them to the, the transfer portal. Dion is a dick. But, like, he's so cool, and they're so cool, and college football is so much better for it. Yeah, they had a true freshman score four touchdowns. Dylan Edwards, three receiving, one rushing. He's a running back. 
He's like 5'8", 175. Just electric. Like they, they're must watch TV until they're not. But well, for, for now, they are. They got Nebraska, and I think as bad as Nebraska is, they're going to give them a game just because of the emotional high. Colorado's coming off of, they'll come back down to earth. Bit of a letdown game, but they'll survive. Then Colorado State, they're abysmal. And you face Oregon and USC back-to-back weeks. That's either going to be really, really cool or really, really ugly, and I can't wait to find out. Side quest, are there two more different bordering states than Colorado and Nebraska? Genuinely did not know they were bordering states. I'll take your word for it. Don't make me say looking up a map. Myself. I'm not great with geography. All those states out there just look like squares and are lined up next to each other. Yeah, they border Nebraska. I'm okay. I know maps. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, my final thought. Um, I love home field shit so much. So much so that I'm willing to abdicate my free talk time to talk about home field. Uh, I've just kind of been searching for like shirts to tweet out links to like, hey, this is a cool one. Use promo code loyal sons for 15% off. But I found so many of them that I like. Uh, and that I personally want, that I think I'm going to start, with your guys' permission, tweeting out uh, a weekly collection of fines for the people, because they are all so, so good. And I I want the Detroit Mercy t-shirt. I, I want the Georgia baseball fleece. I I want I, I, I want the Slippery Rock joggers. I want it all. And you guys are going to have to sit idly by while I vent my obsession onto our Twitter timeline and hopefully make us a little bit of money off of it. Yeah, go for it. I just thought you were going to say you haven't been tweeting them out because you just keep buying them and you don't want, you don't want other people to have them, but I don't want anyone else copping my style. I'm never saying that again. I think that's probably a pretty good place to cut this one. Well, We've got the Cincinnati Bearcats coming to the North Shore on Saturday. Apparently the Paddle Wheel Trophy won't be, although we're going to try to make that happen. Narduzzi loves secrets. One way or another, we're going to try to get that get that onto the North Shore. Uh, but yeah, we got to get going. We got to find a way to get gold lot passes so we can throw another bump and tailgate. Lots open at 1.30, kickoff at 6.30. Can't wait. River City rivalry is back. Old Big East rivals going back at it. As Narduzzi said, two gritty cities. And I can't wait. We've got a real football game on Saturday, fellas. Please win. Please win. Please win, Pitt. Please win. As always, hail loyal sons of Pittsburgh. And that's going to do it here for the Loyal Sun Show. The incredibly handsome and talented Dylan, David, and Squid are signing off. Until next time, Panther fans, H2P.